Due to the location of some of the individuals that are interviewed, they take place remotely. Because of this, sometimes the sound quality isn't up to snuff. What they say is important, and I would still like to get it out there. So just know we were remote, and that's why we had some sound issues. Thanks! Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back to Fragmenters. I'm super excited that you've joined us. Today I have Jesse. Do you prefer Jesse or Jessica? Jesse is good, yeah. I have Jesse and I would like her to tell you her official title because I'm not sure. She's the metallurgical consultant. That is correct. And I mean I don't really mind the titles are such, but my um, boss also says I'm the lab manager, but it's easy to manage a lab when you're the only person <laughs> or, you know not very many people so for the last year well basically all of 2021 I was just doing consulting from my house and then the start of this year 2022 I started putting together this lab that will support the clients that we are supporting as far as consulting goes so a little explanation. So metallurgy is the, uh, I'm an extractive metallurgist. So I'm figuring out the best way to remove the desired metal from the, from any kind of ore. So like gold or silver is ones that you, you might know of. And um, I'm also working on cobalt and nickel, and those are used for rechargeable batteries. So what my job is, the main, the main part of it is helping mines all over the world improve or develop their flow sheet. So they might have an existing process plant in place to extract and refine their desired metal that they have uh, from their deposit. And maybe they got into a different type of ore and now they have us come in to make a, their flow sheet more efficient. And so what the labs in that we've been sending samples to, you know, because you have to send samples to understand what what is in the ore and, and, and different things. And the labs have all been backed up because all the metal prices have been really high and everybody's been doing really well. And all the labs, mainly the ones we've used, are in Reno and they are weeks and weeks behind. So that hurts us is developing their process you know, flow. So we have started a lab to just help our clients in the development of their process. So they'll send me samples. Um, I just started it in January. So I've only have one. Well, now I have two client samples in the lab here now that I'm trying to process, run through and stuff, but at the same time as setting up all the equipment. So that's basically what, that's the basics of what I'm doing. That's a lot. So are you working by yourself or are you under a company like you're contracted to do the consulting work? Um, my boss, his name is Jeff Woods. He owns the company. He started it and I was his first employee. So okay. he hired me. I've been working with him on and off over the last three years through different aspects, uh, different minds and stuff. Um, and then when, when I became available, 
He said, well, why don't you come work for me now? And I said, okay. So everything, it, he is the one that has the network and he has um, the clientele. He's been in the business for like, I think 30 years. So now we have a couple employees within Woods Process. He also has a sister group a partner in Mexico that has several employees. Yeah. So, but I am, he lives in Reno and I live in Winnemucca. So I am here by myself setting up this lab from my experience and the networks that I have with people that work in labs or know how to set up labs. I, you know, pull from their knowledge and, and my background kind of by myself, but I mean, I'm not paying for it by myself. Right. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the part that you hated though, was doing the lab work and now you're going to be doing the lab work. <laughs> so when I, I started at Round Mountain and that's where I met you and I was stuck in sample prep in the Met Lab at Round Mountain for eight months. And we had a lot of samples to process because uh, we were doing the mill optimization and it's crushing and it's screening and it's, you know, changing the rock size and analyzing the rock sizes and making samples. And you have to be very representative. And at that time, Round Mountain didn't have the ventilation system set up. So I was in my respirator a lot. I remember. And you need to have hearing protection. So respirator and hearing protection and constant just like in dust, you know, and separating rocks by size. And I, I hated that. And I still hate that, but that's the stuff I'm doing right now until I get a consistent person helping me or other things set up. But the thing is, we have multiple clients and these clients have different metals and they have different stages that they need to be tested. So right now I have a bunch of samples from one site that need to be crushed and screened. But once those are done, I have other samples that are already crushed and screened that I can run, you know, in another process. And so there's other things, you know, like where you literally have glass beakers and you're changing the color, uh, you know, with chemicals and, you know, you're, I feel like a mad scientist. And that's the part of the lab work that I like when I can see the results and see what all that means, you know, and kind of like, you know, make pretty colors and <laughs> and then putting that information to, to good use and helping our clients improve their systems and employ more people and, or, you know, start their capital projects or like that stuff is good. It, but you're right. The sample prep stuff is the stuff I don't like. <laughs> it's, it's editing podcasts. It's the part that you fucking have to do, but you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you hate it. I try to make it fun sometimes by making little TikToks or you know, just like little videos yeah. of, hey, this is what I'm doing. And that it kind of gets me more motivated. I do have a person that is coming to help me out in the midday hours while her kids are at school. So if I have somebody with me, I'm way more motivated than if I'm just trying to get myself motivated to do something I don't like, you know, because then I'm, I have that little bit of guilt. <laughs> so like if somebody is here helping me doing the stuff that I hate, I am not going to let them hate what they're doing. I'm going to help them and be like, make this all efficient. We're going to knock it out, you know? Right. So um, I, I just got this helper then the last week and, you know, today is Monday. So I'm looking forward to this week getting through a bunch of stuff, you know, being more motivated. So that part's good. <laughs> Oh, sorry if you hear that. <laughs> I have a um, I have an air compressor out in the. Is that sound overwhelming? I can go turn it off temporarily. No, I don't hear it anymore. Oh, you don't. Oh, okay. I took it off the desk. I think there was a um, reverberation. 
Yeah. As the lab manager, metallurgical consultant, what what's the day in the life of and what's your grand plan? So um, lab manager, we are renting a little garage, basically. And so far, we are in the month of March. I started this in January, doing double duty as setting up equipment and purchasing equipment. Uh, and also doing the sample prep and, you know, doing the sample work, the analyzing of the samples. So I'm trying to, I'm, you know, the maintenance supervisor and the purchasing (laughs) representative. Um, I'm trying to find, you know, I have to set up the accounts with our vendors or with, you know, just companies so I can purchase lab equipment from them. I have to, you know, do all that work just to, in order to order things from them. So if I need something, I have to start from the very beginning and say, okay, I need to set up as a customer and I need all this stuff. And then once it gets here, I need to find a way to install it or, you know, modify it. If, you know, I have to know about the piece of equipment. So if it has a motor with it, I need to know if it's single phase or, or three phase. I don't have three phase in the lab. So if, it, if the motor does have three phase, then I have to figure out a way to get it powered in. So like it's, I'm a little overwhelmed at the moment, but I think once I get through all this setup phase and just really start focusing on processing samples, things will be a little more fluid and easier, but also, you know, keeping track of anybody that helps me so we can make sure that they're compensated making sure that our, all our bills are paid. So I came home from a work trip at a conference and the power was out in the lab. And I was like, oh, it's because I forgot to set up on a reoccurring payment. That's all taken care of now. But, you know, sometimes you just get caught with all these little things and I'm fighting fires, but also looking for the best way to make my workflow and the, and the sample flow through the lab efficient. So that's kind of like day to day. Long term, we will be looking for some property to build a full scale metallurgical and probably assay lab here in Winnemucca. We're surrounded by multiple mines, you know, and multiple companies and from in both directions. So if I go east, there's mines. If I go west, there's mines. If I go south, there's mines. So Winnemucca is kind of like the hub of the mining district in northern Nevada. And uh, like I said before, the, all the labs in Reno are way behind. So having a, a lab local to Winnemucca would be very, I think, beneficial for our industry. And so you know, the goal is, well, for myself, is to understand everything about the equipment that I need. You know, I'm learning a lot, setting all this up by myself. So um, electrical stuff, you know, if I'm figuring all this stuff out now. And so when we get to the point where we've purchased some property and we build a lab that is specifically designed or build a building that's specifically designed for a lab, you know, I'll have a I'll be very confident in what it needs to look like. And I do have lots of resources that will help. So that's, that's kind of long, short-term and long-term there. Well, that actually, so I just interviewed someone and she said that one of the nuggets of advice she gave is to find a problem 
that you have a solution for and go after it. And it really sounds like having a lab in Winnemucca would be incredibly lucrative coming from that area and knowing just how many mines are there and how many mines are working towards opening. Right. Um, we're not trying to take any business away from the labs in Reno. Like there are several <laughs> labs in Reno that are strictly commercial labs where they're doing the quick turnaround stuff. Well, I mean, they're not quick. They have a lot of backlog and that's part of the problem for us. Our main focus to start with is supplying support, giving support to our clients for their process development. If for some reason a local lab needs a quick turnaround or a local mine needs a quick turnaround, we could be available. We might end up getting our own backlog. I just think, you know, thinking about the big scheme of things, Winnemucca is a good place to put a lab with all the mines around. But I work really well with the people at McClellan's Laboratories, and I they have taught me a lot, and I appreciate all their help and guidance. So in no way are we trying to, like, you know, cheat them out of any business, but. Right. Well, I mean, even if you do take a little bit of business from them, that will help free up their time so that they're not as chaotic and not able to keep up with you. So. Right. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. There was something. Oh, starting out, I know it's got to be a pain in the ass trying to figure out how to get everything set up, but are you kind of excited that you're doing it your way so you get to set it up and have it exactly how you want? Yeah, there are, I mean, I have a good solid base for all this stuff. And so I, I feel confident in that, but there are things that I don't know, or I mean, for example, we, the job we're doing now is this mine has coarse gold and there's what's called a, a, a concentrator in which to just use this like centrifugal force and, and water pressure. And it forces things that aren't heavy out and things that are heavy stay in like these little cracks of this cone. And I have never ran a concentrator before. And, and the first one we had was too big for the samples that we're doing. And the second one we got our hands on is a rental from McClellan. And it's uh, a different brand than what I think it's a more, it's a kind of an offer, a more off brand. And it's more difficult to you do the functions or, you know, to use it. So I tried that. And then finally we got our own little small one. and. I, I just, it just, it's a whole learning curve, you know, figuring out how this goes and what the best size is and what the best flow rate is and who the best person to contact is for all this information. So I have a good, I feel good that I get to set all this stuff up, but I get so frustrated sometimes when I'm by myself and I don't know what it should look like or how it should work until I have to like really just go through the rounds and dig deep. And that part is a little discouraging for me because I don't know if I'm, you know, effing the sample up or, you know, like I don't want to mess up and I don't want to do a lot of rework because I want to be as efficient as possible. But yeah, so it's that, that's the part that is like, oh, can't I just, can't something be easy? Like, no, no, but no, it can't. <laughs> Yeah, we when we opened up PICS, we ran into some of the same issues. We haven't had anything shut down, but three months in, we got an email from our landlord and he was like, because we're just renting the space, he was like, um, I've been paying your gas bill. 
can you get that switch to your name? And I was like, ah, the city said it was part of that bill. So yeah, it's fun trying to figure out all the little things when you're oh, yeah. the little guy. So you've mentioned that you feel like you have a good background and I have the pleasure of knowing you and have met you at your previous spot, but do you mind telling the listeners kind of what your background is? And I, I'd like to know how you got into metallurgy and if it's what you wanted to do growing up. Okay. So I got my bachelor's from uh, the College of Idaho in math physics. And the College of Idaho is a small liberal arts college in the NAIA. So it's not a school necessarily of science, but so I had the choice of having my bachelor say bachelor's of science or bachelor's of arts in math and physics. I wanted to go well, I'll take a step back. I got there because I had a volleyball scholarship. And so I am more proud of my volleyball career than my math physics degree. <laughs> I, if I could say I got a degree in volleyball and it'd be, you know, like, ooh, you know, I would do that. But so when my volleyball scholarship ran out, I was planning on going to UNR for a, a structural engineering degree with a focus in renewable energy. I wanted to build the buildings that could reuse rainwater and be environmental environmentally friendly and do all that stuff. Uh, but I didn't have any money. So I moved back <laughs> home to Tonopah and I started work out at Round Mountain Gold as a temporary employee. Was very frustrated that they hired me as a temporary employee because I already I did already have my degree. But the uh, metallurgist in the Met Lab, a funny, a funny older man who I thought was sleeping in the interview. <laughs> so, um, he hired me and he, and he taught me a lot of stuff. And then after they got to know me a little bit and how inquisitive I was, um, they, they, he literally gave me Jesse 50 questions link, the nickname, the nickname, because <laughs> <laughs> I was always asking questions. They said, well, how about we pay you to go to school to be a metallurgist? And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so they... Uh, I was the first person at Round Mountain to get like um, an education in their education program. And at first they didn't have any like requirements. So they just said, you take these classes uh, and we'll pay you for them. And, and then as time went on and other people wanted to do a similar thing, they said, well, you take these classes, we'll pay those, we'll pay the classes. And then once you complete those classes, you have to give us two years after um, after you complete those classes or you have to pay them back kind of thing. So at first they didn't do that extra two years thing. Nice. Yeah. And that was good at first until, and I was, so I was doing all these classes through, uh, it's a metallurgical, a master's in metallurgical engineering through the university of Nevada, Reno. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had a whole program, listed out uh, all the classes I needed to take, you know, but life happens, you get married, you get divorced. And then also the, the, you know, the school is changing. So they had professors come and go, and then they had classes that are available online, but other professors don't like to record their classes. So I was at the mercy of the school to post these classes online. And I, you know, if I, I took so many classes and then there were classes there were semesters where there weren't any classes that I, I could take, you know, like I took all those classes that they're offering that semester so that I couldn't take any classes because it, you know, you don't want to take a double, you don't want to do a class over. And so I, 
I've probably enrolled in graduate school at UNR four times in the course of the last 11 years. Mm-hmm. And, and in most cases, if people uh, get their bachelor's and they go directly into the master's program and they do the master's school full time for two years, everything is still fresh in their head and they're doing it full time and they can knock it out in two years. So it's been uh, right now I'm in my last class and it is like a class that is literally pulling all the classes from my undergrad together and applying it. So differential equations and calculus one, two, and three, and, you know, all my physics classes, all of them are being applied to this one specific class that is you know, mining and metallurgy related, but I have to like dig deep. My, my sweet professor, he's uh, a little Hungarian man. I'm like, and I'm the only one in the class. So that is the benefit. I don't feel, uh, I don't have that anxiety of all these other kids around me, kids literally. Um, (laughs) And, um, and he's very understanding of, look, I'm working full time. I, I have a toddler. I live two hours away. This, all this information I have learned and I got a decent grade in, but it was 12 years ago plus, you know, so he's been pretty good with me. I don't say, I mean, I didn't even know about metallurgy when I was in high school or college even. I I always say that I didn't choose metallurgy. It chose me. <laughs> so here we are. That's funny. So you... That was your main goal was to build energy efficient buildings, which I didn't know was a thing until right now. So I know that, I mean, I know that they do have energy efficiencies in buildings, but I never thought that there was actually a niche where you could just build that. So that's cool. Well, I wanted to, I don't know if there is, but (laughs) I mean, I guess I was trying to you know, I wanted to do that, but I don't know. Have you seen those buildings that um, have like full gardens on top and then they have full, um, like, like if you think about apartment buildings or off big office spaces, they have like whole systems that can collect the rainwater, which I know there's not a lot of rainwater in Nevada, but they could collect the rainwater and filter it and use that as supplying for their gardens or, you know, the, the water for the building or recycled materials and, you know, yeah, no, it's a very expensive building. It's funny how most of us don't ever envision where we end up and where we're going to thrive. Because I didn't think I'd be in IT. And I sure as shit didn't think I'd be on a podcast or talking to people in general. But here I am. Yeah, it's awesome. What was your biggest obstacle in metallurgy or in the field or getting to where you're at now? Um, I don't, I think, uh, one of my biggest obstacles is myself. I always wanted to, I want everything to happen right the first time and quickly and the most efficiently. And I, you know, I want to go as fast as I can, but make it the best that I can. And it doesn't always work out like that. (laughs) You know, you get kind of, sometimes I get so frustrated with things and um, because they're not growing as fast and efficiently as I think they should. And then my emotions get in the way. That's a, that's a huge obstacle. Early on, it was probably a feeling of entitlement because I had a degree and I was a temporary employee. 
And, you know, that, that kind of hurt my pride because I wasn't moving as quickly as I wanted to. I didn't get hired right out from the gate as a full-time employee. I, yeah, I think in general, across the board, that is what it would be. It would be myself and my need to go fast yeah. <laughs> and to slow down sometimes. Yeah, that's actually, it's been surprising because most people, when they think of women in male-dominated fields, they think of the obvious. We got to deal with some shit sometimes, but almost everyone I've talked to so far, they've been their own block, which is really, it's something that I'm learning that I, uh, cause that's definitely been mine as well. That held me back for so long was me and my confidence. So hearing that that's usually what holds women back. It's good to know because we're sharing it and getting out there, but it kind of, it kind of pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we've been squashed so bad that we're holding ourselves back. And to me, it's the I'm not. I don't feel squashed per se. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I want things to go so much faster, and they're not. And then I just get frustrated, and that's my holdup. Right? Don't get me wrong. I have run into my own handful of men who don't want to listen to women. There's been cases like that, and then you know, we run into somebody who is blatantly like that. But then if you experience that, I had a tendency to then categorize everybody else that was similar to that person and project those feelings toward like, like, oh, they're holding, or, you know, like they don't want to listen to me because I'm a younger female. But I've learned to set myself off, you know, away from the cliff as far as projecting those feelings and remind myself that a huge chunk of why I'm, I've moved to where I have been and, you know, my path has because, has been because of some seriously great mentors. And most of those mentors were men. I, I like 90% of them. I mean, cause it's in mining, you know, there's not a lot of women. I mean, I have found more women th- just this year and probably last year that I can start putting into my network than I ever had anywhere else. Um, so all my mentors up until the last couple of years have been men. Yeah. And I mean, I'm very grateful. I still talk to most of them on a regular basis, well, semi-regular basis, um, cause I need their help. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Well, that's, it's funny you brought that up because I have a lot of male mentors too, and we really can't break barriers or whatever you want to call it without those men. There are so many out there. Like right now, my manager, I adore him. He is the most positive, inspiring, helpful person that I have ever met. And he's a man. And we joke about on a previous episode, someone was like, I hate men. Can I say that? And I'm like, yeah, you can say it. We're just joking. I mean, you're married. You just said you love working with male-dominated fields, you know. But you're right. I I'm realizing that when I was in the beginning stages of this career, I did the same thing. Like all men are assholes that work in this field, and I don't want to work with them. And I just kind of turned bitchy and had a couple issues with people because I didn't want to deal with it but it's really good to lean back and be like no just because a is this way doesn't mean they all are so no I like that advice I I take hand notes so sorry you're good 
Why do you feel it's imperative or do you feel it's important for women to work in that, in your field? Um, well, I have, like I said, a lot of great male mentors. They have a lot of experience with processing samples and what that means for the equipment and what that means for, you know, capital projects and for the money and the, you know, the, the business aspect as far as like how to get the, the metal out of the dirt. I think it's important for women to be in, in this industry because a lot of times <laughs> if you don't have a, a woman, say, in management that understands maybe the engineering or the technical aspect, you know, because you have your HR, the HR group generally knows, but to have a woman in management or somewhere in this field, in the technical field, it helps with maybe better communication or, you know, the, the personal, the inner interpersonal interactions, you know, so in this field, men are very engineers, you know, math and, and, and systematic and women have a tendency to be more, well, in my experience, empathetic or, you know, understanding of others' emotions and working around that. If they, if, if women who can bring the empathetic and the emotional aspect, not emotional, I, I don't want that word to sound like, you know, how it, it can be perceived as crazy or, you know, ups and downs, but more em empathetic. So we'll just say empathetic instead of emotional. They bring the empathetic system, you know, part of that into the technical world. I think it would be more well-balanced and the employees that are going to be doing the work, like crushing and wearing their respirators for hours at a time. And, and the life, the understanding the regular life in general. So like I have a kid at home or, you know, I have to go to a doctor's appointment, you know, understanding those personal aspects, I think brings the company, brings a working group together better if, if, if you have uh, the, that empathetic aspect. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of men that have that too already and they consider that. But in, in my experience, the, the men in, ma in management that I have worked with have kind of been more, you know, black and white, business oriented, you, you know, these, this is it. And uh, I try to make sure that, you know, my, when I was the process superintendent at the last mines, I had 30 people working for me. I, I made sure that my, my frontline supervisors were well taken care of, you know, if they had issues, you know, for sure. Yes. You go home, you take care of your issue. We'll cover it here because those people are managing their crew. They're getting the shit from below and they're getting the shit from above, you know, so the frontline supervisors need to be the ones that are taken care of. And I think that's something that I pride myself in is making sure that my people, the people are happy. If I can bring the team together and I'm, you know, aware of their situation, maybe they have some life events that are significantly weighing on their mind. I, you know, we can pay attention to that. I feel like that is something I'm better at. And maybe I'm just projecting that on all women, but <laughs> you think, I feel like that women in this field, we need to have more more emotion, more compassion and empathy in, in this industry. And okay. I might be rambling a little bit, but no, um, no. <laughs> so 
men in general are very strong. They have more muscles. They, you know, they can do the heavy lifting. They definitely live in their masculine. Right. So women don't have all those things to pull from. So they have to find other ways to get the job done, which generally is more, is smarter. Um, so getting the job done safer uh, without, you know, constant like lifting. A woman is going to be more apt to bring in a piece of equipment that can lift this thing that you have to move and get it hooked up rather than, oh, I was just, you know, like I lift everything, this kind of thing. I'm not saying women are smarter. I think they work smarter because they don't have the, just the brute strengths that, that men have. That's true. We have to look at things that are in a different way, especially coming into a male dominated field where they have just done it this way because they can. If we come in, it's scientifically proven that women are not innately built as strong as men. So it's more likely for a woman to come in and be like, oh, you guys usually lift 65 pounds. I can't do that safely and come up with a way to do it safer for everyone. I totally get that. And I've never really put that together either. Man, I just need to call this the Dina did not know shit (laughs) and is learning everything from everyone else podcast. Oh my gosh. All right. So you mentioned earlier that you have a toddler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've been in the field for math. 11, 12 years, right? So you've done this position with and without kids. Um, I mean, not this one specifically, but metallurgy in general, working in mining. And yeah, um, right. My daughter will be four this year. So I guess taking classes and, and doing the metallurgy, right. So eight years. So more, more time without a kid than with a kid. How has having her affected work life and just everything in general? Mom guilt is the serious, is a serious thing. I I mean, there's mom guilt for taking my kid to daycare so early. There's mom guilt for not taking her to daycare on certain days because there's a special event and she didn't get to experience. There's mom guilt for... Uh, well, I mean, not just mom guilt, but there's guilt for taking time off of work to spend with my kid. There's guilt, you know, like it, the guilt with having a kid is sometimes overwhelming, but, you know, and I see these memes that are like, women are expected to work like they don't have kids and parent like they don't have jobs um yeah (laughs) like I can relate to that a little bit but I just quit looking at those kinds of things and said you know what like I'm doing the best I can and managing a lot and my kid is still the most amazing kid on the planet (laughs) and and my job is to support her, you know, so my career is, is that, is to support her and make sure that she grows up to be healthy and strong and smart. And it, and so if, if something slips at my work, I've, you know, again, back myself away from a cliff with that guilt to remind myself that this, my job is so I can provide money for my kid, but I, you know, if I'm there for my kid on things, you know, that is, that's like the number one priority. 
it definitely the way my brain works with before kid and after kid as far as this stuff is completely different yeah I don't know um it's there's a lot (laughs) yeah there is I now have four birthed two and got two extras so I totally get it it's a it's really hard to get past the guilt. I, sure. I, I did therapy. I'm just saying that helped me. <laughs> yeah. I went to um, some therapy. That was another appointment that I felt guilty for leaving work for, or for I felt guilty for like scheduling while my kid was at school or at uh, daycare. I'm a huge supporter of therapy. I wish I could go more often, but my particular therapist that I was going to moved away and so I haven't I haven't seen my therapist in a while but I believe that everybody can utilize somebody like that and it is helpful I when I started going to my therapist is when I was first when I first got the job as a process superintendent after I left Round Mountain and I was struggling with um, some a particular employee that was working for me. Um, I actually had two men that are older than me working for me. And they, I did not project my feelings about them struggling with me. They were very vocal about Mm -hmm. not appreciating having a younger female as their direct supervisor. Um, So there were a lot of struggles with that. And I really just wanted an unbiased, guidance or you know somebody that could say that I'm doing a reasonably good job at managing these people and managing that the emotions that they're bringing to the table and that I wasn't just going crazy because of one one employee in particular was very um manipulative so that was a, a real struggle but I made it through. (laughs) Yep. And I'm sure you learned a lot of things because that's the only way I learn is if I have to get myself in this, I have to get myself in the middle of something really bad before I, I'm like, oh, death. Now I see what this is. Yeah. 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 I, I had a therapist and then she left clinics and then I had to have the second one and now I'm going into a third one. So it's hard to find someone that you like, but when you do. And the COVID thing, um, there's a lot of good things I think that came from COVID. Like everybody's getting better at doing the Zoom calls and, and, and like doctor's appointments when you just have to go to the clinic are a phone call and then, you know, park at the back of the clinic and then the nurse comes out and swabs your throat and then, and then calls you back while you're in your car in the parking lot and says, okay, you have strep throat or COVID, you know, I appreciate that stuff. But as far as therapy goes, I want to be face to face. Like I don't want to do the zoom call with my therapist. I want to have all my arm movements and, you know, like get all my emotions out. And I you know, want to feel there. I just want to be in their presence, you know, like yeah. I need that. And I, I struggled with that when, cause I did do one appointment with my therapist over the over the phone or maybe two and then I was like this isn't it's not the same <laughs> I can't do this anymore and and we live still Winnemucca is still pretty small but there's not a lot of options 
for counseling. So I just haven't looked into a new one yet. (laughs) I was going to say something and I totally lost it. It's been, it's Monday. (laughs) What advice would you give someone who wants to enter into your field? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I, so I've kind of already touched on this. Oh, no. I'm, I'm going to plug you in here. I'm losing battery. Oh, um, I've kind of already touched on this, how it's been my biggest obstacle to manage, um, you know, my need to go fast and move through all the things. But my piece of advice for anybody is to spend your time in the shitty parts and experience all that stuff because we do learn so much. So like I said, I'm still, I'm in my last class in my master's program, but my last class, the class before this one, there were three other students. I got an A in that class. I think a lot of it was because I had so much of the practical experience already to pull. It was a flotation class where I said, well, from when I was, you know, worked in the flotation plant at Round Mountain, this is what it looked like. And this is how we did it. And this is the chemicals that we added. And, and this is what it looked, you know, and this is, how it works. And I think they value, value that experience a lot. And so I see them at conferences or on campus now, and they're like, oh, we're looking for um, internships or, you know, I need to, I need to do this. What would you say? And they're like, you need to go, even if you don't get an internship, you could like go work there and be the bottom of the barrel. Like do the grunt work, work with the operators, like be an operator. Like if you can't get an internship, be summer help, you know, like learn how the, the company works, you know, and one of the kids I didn't take a class with, but he works at McClelland and in, in Reno. He was like, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, plant, mainly plant design. He's like, that's what I want to do. I was like, well, you should go work at site first and understand what, if you want to design a plant, like you need to understand how the operators want to operate that plant. What makes it convenient for the operators? Because those are the people going to be doing the work for you. And he's like, oh no, you know, like operators, they don't go to school. They don't know. I'm like, that, that's a horrible perspective because you need your, the people that are going to do the work for you are the ones you want to make happy. And if you don't make them happy, they're going to cuss you out every single day of their job saying that the, the damn engineers that designed this plant, they don't know what they're doing because the operators are the artists. Sometimes there's technical aspects to operating equipment. You know, you have your SOP and you turn this knob and you press this button, but every piece of equipment is going to have its own little like character with it and the operators and the mechanics are the ones that know how to finagle that equipment to make it work just right because they are the ones spending all the time with it and if you don't set it up to where there's maybe the best way to operate a piece of equipment is from the back side and turning this particular valve and if you don't give three feet of space between the wall and that valve and you get a bigger gentleman mechanic who has to go back there and turn this knob and they don't fit, they're going to be cussing you out because you didn't plan ahead and put this valve on the right side, or you didn't maybe give them enough space to get back there to operate it efficiently. And then you're not going to have, you know, like 95% recovery or whatever your goal is with this equipment. So my point of advice is to do the dirty work, figure out 
work with the operators, you know, work, do the crappy part of sample prep so you can appreciate anybody that is doing that work for you later on. Like, I know how sucky it is to shovel under this belt because I've shoveled all the dirt and done all the overtime when I work for this, you know, this company or I'm wearing the respirator. I know how shitty that is, but you know what? We're going to have a pizza party on Friday and <laughs> here you go. So understanding the crappy stuff is very important and you don't appreciate it until you've done it. That's fantastic. And it's, um, it's been hit on a little bit before, but it's not only that, but your attitude towards it, having, having someone else say, oh no, they don't have educations. They don't know what they're doing. That's, it's kind of the same thing. It's this elitist thing that we have to dole down. Nobody's better than anyone. Why? My husband, that's one of his favorite things to remind me of when I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be meeting such and such. He's like, Dina, they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. <laughs> so if you have that attitude, maybe taking a week and humbling yourself and going and digging in the ditches or um, he worked in potatoes for a long time. So he's like, I would go and I would I don't know the terms because they haven't done it, but it's when they go and they like in tater tots and you pull manually pull each tater tot that has a defect in it. He's like, that was the worst job. And when I, <laughs> when I was a, a supervisor and I, you know, started feeling above, I would go down there and I would start plucking out the dead potatoes. <laughs> so no, that's, that's a good one. And what's the best advice you've received? Either it can be personal or professional or both. Well, I don't know that. I, I don't think I've received some advice. Well, okay. I'll make this a two-parter because I did just think of something, but I, I literally just got that something like two weeks ago. But Sweet. for the most part, my mom once told me, don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff. <laughs> I mean, it kind of it sticks with me because it's funny. But I went through it. I mean, I guess if, if you, you have to look at it, like what is petty and what is small? You know, like what's the small stuff? And it's really all about perspective. So I went through like a very tra traumatic experience uh, in my time at Round Mountain and thought the whole town was against me. and. That I mean, Round Mountain is what population like twenty five hundred. Oh, it's um, huge now then compared to when I was there. Oh, that's including all the surrounding areas. Oh, okay. Okay, so Carver's or you know whatever the um, agriculture. And my friend invited me to go to a music festival, and this music festival has like over a hundred thousand people go to it. And I just remember watching a con the concert, and this is like in the middle of my very traumatic experience. And I, you know, had left the state, gone to this music festival, was watching this, this live band, and there were people all around me that didn't know me, you know, and they were just enjoying the experience. I started crying because it finally put into perspective how small that little town was and how insignificant like my traumatic experience was in the grand scheme of things and how ridiculous all those events like 
how they came together, how ridiculous that was and just silly, <laughs> like how important people, how important of like what, how these people who were not important, how like big they made a deal out of some things. And so, you know, don't pet, don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff. Um, but <laughs> you know, that it goes in, you know, just your perspective of what the, the petty stuff, petty stuff might be, you know, like take your step, take yourself out of that situation and, and look at the bigger picture. And that is going to be, you know, I think that's that part of the advice, but more recently I went to the, let's see, SME conference and, uh, which is a society of mining and metallurgical exploration or something. Um, it, it's a mining conference mm-hmm. and there's a woman there that has been in the industry longer than I've been alive. She was the first female to go to school for, um, mineral processing, which is similar to metallurgy at UNR in like 1972. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. And she has worked, she has worked at many different mines in like third world countries. And she has flown to those places. She was getting an award. So she was explaining as she was receiving her award, holy cow, my phone is blowing up. As she was receiving her award, she gave a pre- like a presentation, to, like telling us her like whole life story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh my God, she flew to places in a helicopter and she, you know, crossed rivers in boats to meet the president of little tiny countries that have this one particular mind, you know, like, and I was like, wow, this woman is amazing. I want to go, I want to drink some beer with her. I want to talk to her afterwards, <laughs> you know, like I want to sit down with her. And I happened to be with somebody who knew her very well. And we ran into her random around all the booths and I started talking to her and I was, you know, I was like, what she explained in her presentation, she spent like eight years getting her PhD, which again, if you do go from your four-year college degree, go into master's, that's two years and go into your PhD, that might be two to four years after that. And so she took her time on getting one of her degrees. She went all the way and got her PhD with four kids as a single mom, Ooh. traveling from, from Fallon to Reno twice a week to do her classes, which is something that I'm, I'm doing right now, but I'm only doing it once a week. And I only have one kid and I'm not single. <laughs> you know, so uh, I'm like, damn girl. And um, her advice is it doesn't matter. Don't compare your path to somebody else's path. Your path is going to be just as amazing as somebody else's path. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there. It's just, you just keep going. You keep, you keep persisting, you know, you just keep going after your goals and doing it the only way that you can and don't compare it to somebody else's path because it's not, you're not going to have the same path. So, um, I guess that's a two-parter advice. No, that's fantastic. It's something that I, I did a lot when I was younger. I was very comparing to everyone around me because I the way I grew up I was always you know people thought we're the weird family and everybody whispered about us behind our backs because we were the broke ones and all the stuff that went on in our house but um I've always compared I had always compared myself to other people more as a safety thing 
at first because I, you know, you try to mimic those around you so that you can fit in with them. Mm -hmm. But then as I was older, I realized that comparison was just killing me. The more I tried to act like everyone else, the more unhappy I became. So yeah, not comparing paths is awesome. We get where we're supposed to, how we're supposed to. That's a good one. Yeah. What do you do for fun? <laughs> um, well, I think you know my answer. Yeah. Um, most of my free time right now, I make the polymer clay jewelry. That is my current obsession. Um, I don't know <laughs> if it's therapy or uh, an addiction or what now, but you know, and when the weather gets better, there will be some volleyball playing in my backyard and we have paddle boards. And so we'll do camping and paddle boarding and volleyball. I'm really excited for that. But the earrings are the continuous thing that will be now part of my life forever because I love creating. I love how versatile polymer clay is. I love looking at other people's creations with polymer clay. Uh, I love trying new things. And the pieces are small enough that I can try this thing today and then, or maybe at, you know, nine o'clock PM. And maybe I want to try something else at 10 o'clock and I could easily just switch over and do a different, you know, color variation or a different technique. And then I love when people buy my stuff. Uh, I just think that is the coolest thing. Like, oh, they like my, they like what I created. And I just, I freaking love it. If I could do the earrings and make what I'm making now, I think I would. Because <laughs> I don't get as dirty with polymer clay. You know, like my job now, I'm covered in dust. And <laughs> but um, yeah, I I love the making earrings <laughs> and, and necklaces. They're absolutely gorgeous. I have your pieces and the detail work on them. So good. I'm like super. Why don't you plug it? Where can they find your stuff so they can judge you? So my um, or my Instagram account is elderberry underscore co. So um, that's my business name is elderberry co. I realize that's um, like if you look up other elderberries on Instagram, you probably find like elderberry jam. But you know, once you get into the profile, you'll realize that the elderberry code that makes jewelry is mine on or on Etsy and the elderberry co boutique. I, because it is my part time gig, I don't post all the time. I've been trying to figure out, get a rhythm and figure out how often to upload pieces. And then everything that I post on Instagram automatically goes to Facebook. So you can find me on Facebook too, but the main gist of stuff is on Instagram. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't post, uh, I don't list all my pieces on Etsy regularly. Uh, a lot of times it's because when I make something, people find me on Instagram and they want to buy it for, like right when they see it. And um, so then we'll just do the maybe a meetup in town or, you know, Hey, I'm driving through Round Mountain. I can drop these pieces off as I go. Or I, I've done a couple custom. Well, my biggest, the coolest custom order that I've done is for um, Nick Dowers. He's a world champion horse trainer and he grew up in Tonopah, which is where I grew up. And um, they asked me to make some jewelry with his brand. And I was just like, <laughs> 
So I made 50 pieces with his brand. I have a little 3D printer that I make little tiny cookie cutters to cut out the shapes, but I'm now also making stamps to stamp into the clay. So that's how I did his brand. I made his brand in my own little polymer clay branding tool, which is just a stamp. And they, the response from them was just amazing. Like, I guess they almost sold out. They had a couple pieces left over, um, but they sold the majority of, of my pieces. And that is just, that is rewarding for me. That's more, that's very rewarding. Yeah. That's so awesome. Well, and now I didn't know you can 3D print your own. So I may be uh, hitting you up on some things. Right. I'm, I'm using a 3D printer for making the shapes so right. if you were on my instagram recently i designed a a little sh a cookie cutter basically for a like a mermaid tail and so i make the clay or i roll the clay out the colors that i want and then i roll it flat with a little pasta machine and then i take that cookie cutter that i made and i cut the shape out so i haven't there are people that are making jewelry and and it's just phenomenal things with their 3d printer i I could do that. Um, I kind of like the more hands-on 3D printing um, <laughs> you know, uh, with my hands. And, but, and also, I don't have a lot of time to dedicate to all of the settings that go with the 3D printer. Right. There's a lot to it. That part and just is a tool for me. But, yeah. No, I was thinking for it because eventually, I mean, everyone starts a podcast in hopes of being successful so when I need my fragmenters merch or something absolutely mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> and since I drop the f-bomb all the time maybe I'll have I'll need a little bomb with an f in the earrings or something <laughs> oh that I could do that <laughs> but I know that's what I'm saying so I'll be hitting you up later about it absolutely I love maybe it. for pics yeah I got some ideas now <laughs> Um, I think I covered everything, even where people can find you. Do you have anything for me or? Um, Any well, I, mean, I, I was going to say, but find me as for my main job, you know, the one that, the why we're here oh, yeah. know, as a metallurgical consultant, I am in Winnemucca and I do process samples. So I don't know who it means to hear about or who needs to know where a, a little lab is but I'm, I'm here and I am I am kind of looking for help you know as time goes on we'll, we will be hiring for all the things right now it's my schedule I need somebody who can you know basically back me up in order for me to really do all the things that I need to do but I'm also looking for people that don't know anything about mining and I would teach them all the things yeah, if there's one of the people that are interested, then that's that's the thing. Hit me up. I'm on Facebook. I don't know. LinkedIn. Link. <laughs> yeah. And that's Winnemucca, Nevada. And it's not, it's definitely an in-person thing. You don't offer remote. That's correct. Yeah, I need the people to do the labor. Yeah. Yeah, I can't shovel dirt from another state. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do have somebody that helps me with data entry. Um, she lives in Fallon, so that part is remote, but I already got that person kind of covered. I yeah. uh, just sent her a picture of, you know, all my sheets and she enters them in a spreadsheet, which is helpful. So for sure. All right. Anything else? I talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. 
It's been awesome getting to catch up with you though. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad to have that I reached out to you. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I really uh, want those fucking mermaid earrings. I'm just saying. I don't know if you saw, but everything that I've made, so the spring collection that I'm making with all the florals and stuff, mm -hmm. um, those will be launched as well as everything that I've been making in the last two months that I haven't listed on my Etsy will be uploaded to Etsy on April 1st at 6 p.m. So no April Fool's jokes this time. Uh, <laughs> it's actually going to be April 1st, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And yeah, I mean, the last, sometimes I go, um, I'll do a launch or I'll upload a bunch of stuff. And like the last one I did was kind of a flop. So it was very discouraging, which is why I haven't done another launch, um, which goes back to being persistent, right? But I've had enough cool things that I've made in the last little bit without putting the pressure on myself to put a launch out. But I feel like, you know what, I'm just going to list it all on there. I'm not going to, you know, make 50 of one style in fact there's only going to be i mean there's a couple of the mermaid tales but as far as everything else there's really just one one piece so everything is one of a kind and i'm not going to make two of them <laughs> like the carrot ones i did make maybe like eight eight pairs of carrots but... oh they were so freaking cute <laughs> I thought they would be a little big, but when I put them on and took that picture, I was like, okay, those are cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Jesse. I really appreciate that you met with me and I got to learn all the things about metallurgy. Yeah. And um, you can reach out anytime and it was great talking to you. So yeah, no, this was exciting and when I have the opportunity to talk about what I'm doing it makes it exciting and puts it back in perspective of what I'm doing is pretty cool even though sometimes it's exhausting but I think that's every job right like once you real like tell somebody yeah I you know I process gold then they're like wow I'm like oh yeah I guess it is cool <laughs> I know I get that all the time I'm like yeah I was in IT at a gold mine and first of all they're like they have IT at gold mines. Everybody still thinks that donkeys and pigs, that's all <laughs> they think. Gold Rush Alaska, right? Like Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, there's IT. And now I'm like, I, I'm IT at a nuclear lab. They're like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. How could you work in both of those? I'm like, you know, now that you say it, it is pretty unique. I so guess. you're working at uh, a nuclear lab right now? Yeah, it's the best place I have ever worked in my life. It's That's awesome. fucking awesome. And they're so supportive. And I had to clean up my mouth a lot. <laughs> they do not swear at all. They did not enjoy it's, the bomb queen. <laughs> I remember I was at a hotel and looking out over the water and there's that the Mormon church over there, I think. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, the temple. Yeah. I'm, it is beautiful, but I, yeah, I mean, they have, you know, don't appreciate us foul mouth miners, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, outside of work, they've gotten used to me and I've, I've made some really good friends, but yeah, it was a culture shock going from mining to that. And they're all proper and business-like. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> what I'm doing <laughs> when I got piercings awesome. and I have you know crazy sharp pointy nails and that's awesome 
it's it's worked for me though yeah all right jesse i know you want to get away and hang out with your you can't tell, call her a toddler anymore just no she's a kid she's my kid <laughs> she's too big now all right cool well thank you and i will talk to you later all righty bye Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff.